This week on the mic drop, we are on the highway to Henrietta. Amanda Larder of Tony Fay PR joins us to talk about Troy Aikman's big music festival this Saturday in his hometown of Henrietta, Oklahoma. She tells us about the keys to executing successful large-scale events, including fundraisers like Troy's, and recalls the time she told the President of the United States to spit his gum out. But first, we are joined by Dallas Stars Marketing Chief Dan Stuckel, who talks about marketing to the entire state of Texas, about the plans for the new Dallas Stars Hall of Fame, and the explosion of youth hockey in our area. Then, John Little of KRLD News joins us to talk about covering local events, why local radio still matters, and what it feels like to sing the national anthem before a Mavericks playoff game with Troy Aikman, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Nastia Lukin looking right at him. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, along with Dallas Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul. Also with us, Next Level Marcus Carr, joining us this week from Henrietta, Oklahoma, on official Mic Drop assignment where he will be working the Highway to Henrietta event with the Tony Fay PR team. Well, more on that to come in the show. This is a massive fundraiser. Troy Aikman is doing for his hometown. Very cool story there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and for following us. If take a minute, please, and you like the show, drop us a, a five-star review. That would be helpful. It's episode 66, Monica. We're still trying to get it right. For episode 66, when it comes to number 66s, we don't want to jinx Rangers pitcher Josh Spores the way I jinxed Zach Rex number 65 last week, who promptly got sent down uh, to Round Rock after we highlighted him. So we're going to go with, with Cowboys, number 66. The player who wore number 66, I believe, longer than anyone else, that would be Kevin Gogan, who started on the offensive line for seven years from 1987 to 1993. That, that puts him on two Super Bowl winners for the Cowboys. He was a three-time pro bowler, started as a rookie, after being an eighth-round draft choice out of Washington. This was another one of those Gil Brandt excellent finds deep in the draft. Players called him the big nasty. He was sort of a fun guy. And Jimmy Johnson liked him so well that a few years after Gogan left the Cowboys, Jimmy brought him to Miami for a year. So for episode 66, we're highlighting former Cowboys number 66, the big nasty Kevin Gogan. Uh, Monica, we mentioned Josh Spores and... Zach Rex and you know, all these young prospects, Josh Smith is that the Rangers have, have called up recently. Uh, last week, they called up yet another young prospect, outfielder Steele Walker. So do you know what that makes him? Now, Sully, I kind of feel you're bringing some jokes into this podcast this morning. <laughs> Why, yes, I think this might make uh, a Steel Walker, Walker, Texas Ranger. Am I right? You are correct. We have finally have a Walker, Texas Ranger. Now, uh, young Steele, uh, who was a second round draft choice of the Chicago White Sox, I believe in 2018. This is a, a guy who was at one time regarded a, a very red hot prospect. The White Sox traded him to the Rangers for, for uh, Nomar Mazzara, which didn't work out too well on the south side of Chicago. 
only lasting one year, kind of one disappointing season there on the South side. But uh, Steel Walker, kind of a highly touted prospect at one point. Now, the Rangers, years ago, in 1985, I believe it was, uh, traded Buddy Bell to the Cincinnati Reds for Dwayne Walker. But, of course, that was many years before Chuck Norris uh, date came, came on the scene with Walker, Texas Ranger, in 1993. So we're going to call Steel Walker, even though he's the second Walker in Rangers history, he is the first in the Walker, Texas Ranger era. So we're going to go with it and milk it. And really, my, my White Sox buddy, Russ Carlson, uh, when, when, uh, when Walker was a touted prospect uh, of the White Sox farm system, he always hoped that one day Steel Walker would end up in Arlington so he could make that joke. And so today we have made it for him. So thanks to Russ Carlson. Uh, Monica, your Longhorns have been impressive in the college softball World Series. First uh, uh, unseeded team, I believe, to make yeah. it to the finals. What? Uh, give us your, your it, breakdown on, on, on the Longhorns and, and how they've done it against the juggernaut Oklahoma Sooners. Impressive. I mean, they've got some stellar defense uh, out there, and uh, some of their bats have uh, woken up. But uh, so, yeah, you're, I, I, it's going to be a spoiler for your download section later on at the end, but I've been watching a lot of college uh, softball World Series, and uh, Longhorns are, are in, the, in the championships uh, against uh, our uh, rival, Oklahoma. So uh, th- this should be a great uh, series. So look, really looking forward to that. And um, uh, just a lot of positive energy out there on, on the diamond for those Lady Horns. And, of course, my – my men's uh, baseball team is uh, in the hunt too, so we'll we'll see how both of those play out. Always lots of exciting uh, stuff happening this year. Watching a lot of Stanley Cup playoffs and and now the NBA Finals underway as well. So all all all, uh, all good there. What uh, what's happening at the Sports Commission? We're we're nearing that June sixteenth uh, day when FIFA makes its announcement about the twenty twenty six World Cup sites. But uh, what else is happening? Well, it's uh, really all FIFA right now, Sully. Uh, we're preparing for next week's uh, uh, watch party, actually, where FIFA will make that announcement on the 16th at, at 4 p.m. Um, we won't have a heads up. Everybody asks, well, you'll surely know before they announce it. And, you know, you're in front of the world and in front of Dallas and community leaders and everybody who's been working on this. You'll, you'll know, right? No, we will not know. So that's a little bit uh, nerving in itself. But uh you know, still still looking from a positive standpoint. I think we've positioned Dallas well. Uh, we just really want to take this next step. Uh, not everything will be announced and decided on uh, on next Thursday. Uh, they're just going to be announcing host cities. So not even International Broadcast Center, which we've talked a lot about. Not uh, we won't know who's been who will be hosting the finals, who will be hosting semifinals, any other details. How many matches? We'll know none of that. Uh, it's just an announcement. So this is really a first step in a long, long road uh, that we've had to to get here. So um, everybody uh, will be be announcing or, or sending information out. You'll see a lot more about this hopefully. Uh, but we will have a watch party over at AT&T Discovery District uh, next Thursday at 4 o'clock with uh, entertainment and programming starting at 3. So hopefully a lot of people will come out and join us. We'll be hopefully celebrating as well, fingers crossed. Um, uh, and really a, a shout-out and a thank you to the people who have helped us to to get to this point and hopefully be named that, that, that host city. I know I get to talk about it a lot, but uh, there's a lot more than just me out there. Um, 
making this uh, happen. So, uh, in in addition, we wrapped up a very very successful, I think, over fifty five thousand people uh, attending uh, DreamHack uh, this past weekend at the K Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. And for those of you who don't know what DreamHack is, that is a very large gaming uh, uh, event, championship, convention. Um, so um, this was our, I think, second or third time to to host DreamHack. For the most part, Sally, uh, we're We've got a lot of NCAA Women's Final Four, Men's Final Four bid stuff, local organizing committee meetings for 2023, but really our focus this week and next week is all all World Cup. Well, and it's interesting for our, our listeners to know all about the, you know, the Women's Final Four and the, and, and the well, we've talked a lot about World Cup, all the huge events, but DreamHack was a huge event too. The economic impact associated with 55,000 people coming to downtown Dallas uh, is pretty impressive. So you can, our, our, if, you, if you missed last week, check out episode 65. We talked to Sahin Zabari of DreamHack about the event. It was a pretty interesting interview. So way to go. Congratulations on that too, Monica, for, for helping bring these uh, big events that drive a lot of economic impact to our, to our area. We got a great lineup today. Uh, back, we'll be back in a moment to talk uh, Stars Marketing and the new Stars Hall of Fame with SVP of Marketing, Dan Stuckel. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas Recording sets the stopped. standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rach. And now we're pleased to be joined by Dan Stuckel. He's the SVP of Marketing for the Stars. Stooks was an original Stars employee way back in 1993. <clears throat> uh, left for the Calgary Flames in 2000. Had a nice run back in Dallas with big brothers and big sisters. Returned to the Stars uh, in 2013. Uh, on the business development side, he's moved up the ranks, and now he leads marketing efforts uh, for the Stars. Dan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Kevin. It's nice to be here. Oh, when I saw Dan Stuckel was going to be on the podcast, I, had, I immediately lit up, uh, Sully. So uh, <laughs> Dan is like my partner in crime on uh, on many events over the past, uh, well, it might be like four plus years now, but uh, definitely instrumental in uh, being able to ensure that um, from a draft standpoint and uh, other things that we've been successful with our partnership with the Stars. So, Dan, let's start with uh, the Stars brand. How, as Senior VP of Marketing, how would you uh, describe what that is? Well, you know, since I've taken over, I mean, I was very fortunate when I stepped into this chair that the Dallas Stars had been in existence for quite some time already and had established a really solid brand within the marketplace. So um, I wanted to make sure that I continued a lot of what we were doing. And then and we've transitioned a little bit in the last couple of years with, uh, with our Texas hockey um, theme. Um, but <clears throat> overall, when, when I think about the Dallas Stars brand, I wanna make sure that we're always authentic. Um, and through that authenticity, I wanna make sure that we are, um, exploring our creative and artistic side in the look and feel of our brand. Um, but I want to make sure that we're clean and edgy. Um, 
potentially modern in in many ways. We want to be forward looking in the way that we um, present our team, um, because when I think about you know the the brand and the marketing efforts that I oversee here, you know it it touches our fans when they pick up their their tickets, when they um, see one of our spots online, when they hear something on the radio. Uh, when they click on a link uh, or find us online, uh, we're touching people in so many ways right now um, in this new era um, that we want to make sure that they know that they are talking to um, or soaking in the Dallas Stars in, in a way um, that is just different than than other teams. And we want to make sure that that experience is always positive. And and I think we've uh, I've got a great team here. I think nice. Well, I think this is a, a big offseason for the Stars, uh, Dan. Some decisions to make, obviously, on the hockey side, including who, who your next head coach will be. But what is uh, typically your, your, your marketing and sales strategy this summer, going into next season, knowing there's you know, still some unknowns out there of who, who may be your coach or who, who may be on the ice? Sure. I mean, and, and I think this speaks to every offseason. Um, there's always going to be changes with your lineup. Um, you know, there's going to be players leaving and new players coming in. And at this stage of the season, you know, in, in the May, June um, timeframe, a lot of those decisions haven't been made yet. Um, so we have to be very um, nimble in being able to shift where necessary. Um, but I, I think when we look at our, our summer here coming up, we are going to have a, a new coach announcement. Um, when that's going to come, I'm not sure. You know, could be today, could be three weeks from now. We we just we just don't know yet. So um, we have to be on our toes and be ready for it uh, when it does get announced. Um, and I'm, there will be some player changes too. Um, who are those new players that are going to be coming in? So there's always the hockey side that we're going to be able to talk about and be able to promote in in different ways uh, once those decisions are made. But in terms of the team itself and the overall um, overall marketing effort, you know, we rolled out our Texas hockey campaign just a year ago, um, and we are going to continue that for the for the you know foreseeable future um, because it really resonated strongly with our fans. And the big part about Texas hockey was we wanted to be able to extend our brand beyond just DFW. We wanted to make sure that our footprint was wider than just the Metroplex. And we wanted people, when they think about hockey in the state of Texas, to think of, about the Dallas Stars. And I think <clears throat> when I look back over our, what is it, 28, 29 years um, in this state, I think we've always been, I don't want to say nervous, but uh, reticent to embrace the Texas theme too heavily at all. And we've almost stepped away from it because we didn't want to be seen as some caricature of Texas culture. Um, we didn't want to just perpetrate stereotypes of, uh, of Texas through our, through our brand. And, and honestly, there was a lot of people in the front office here who weren't Texans and we didn't want to insult any of the natives um, by anything that we were doing. But I think that's where this Texas hockey theme, we, we decided to lean in on it because there's so many things about the state of Texas that I think really resonate with who we are as a team and, and who we aspire to be. And, and it's 
it's independent, it's tough, it's rugged, it's proud, it's confident. I mean, I think we can say all those things about Texans overall. And I think we can speak to those things very um, clearly as a hockey team as well. Well, uh, kudos to, to you and your marketing team on that, uh, you know, hashtag Texas hockey, hashtag one state, one team. Uh, you know, I think the Stars are in a unique position and that you, you are the only hockey team, NHL hockey team in, in the state where, you know, sure. some of our other uh, professional teams here, you know, are mainly trying to get fans here locally, obviously throughout the state too, but their branding and, and, and marketing is really to a city level. So uh, definitely congrats on that. And uh, um, just uh, kudos as well on your heartfelt outreach following the, the tragedy in Uvalde. Um, you know, we, we've been following that as well. Uh, but I'm going to ask you one other question in terms of, you know, Texas is not uh, necessarily known as a hockey <laughs> You know, we are down here in the south. It is, you know, probably going to reach 100 degrees today, Dan. But uh, so we're not necessarily known as a as a as a hockey town, or it's not the first thing, I guess, that comes to 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 uh, someone's uh, uh, thoughts whenever thinking of uh, Dallas and Texas. But we have a pretty rich and growing youth hockey uh, uh, center here. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I mean, a lot of stars centers here. Uh, locally, and I, I think the numbers that we're seeing of youth playing hockey here continue to grow. Yeah, it's it's really really amazing, um, and and I give a ton of credit um, going back to our early days in the early '90s to Jim Lights, um, Jeff Kogan, the former vice president of marketing, um, and and Norman Green, quite honestly, the original owner, um, and Tom Hicks following him for investing in building more rinks here. Um, it, it truly was, if you build it, they will come. And, and it's been really remarkable to see that, you know, when we moved down here in 93, there was the Galleria. Um, there was a uh, one sheet, uh, in Valley Ranch that was in terrible disrepair. Um, I think there was one more, uh, sheet of ice down at Fair Park that came in and out, um, um, seasonally. So there really wasn't a lot of access. Uh, for people who wanted to play. It, it was basically Valley Ranch if they wanted to play. Um, but the investment into um, building more rinks and spreading the, 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 uh, the Dallas Stars brand through those, those facilities, those Star Center uh, facilities across the Metroplex over the course of the last, you know, almost 30 years now has really been remarkable. And, and now we're at the point where um, I believe we now have... Uh, nine uh nine different facilities with two sheets in each um that's 18 sheets of ice now in town and we're at the position now where we are running out of ice time and we are being approached quite often by different communities that are looking to add um add a, a sheet or two to their to their communities as well and we're just seeing the demand as such for these youth hockey players adult hockey players figure skaters um, that it's it's something that we are you know strongly considering in 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 adding more sheets. It's just it's really positive. And and again, I think the credit goes back to the foresight of uh, those original leaders of this organization back in the early '90s. That you know, hockey was not a um, a native thing to the state. 
Um, and how could it be without uh, there being the facilities? Um, and they knew that they were going to have to grow their future fans um, organically. And to do that, you had to grow hockey players from a young age. And uh, it, it's just amazing now to see those kids that were skating on the ice back in the uh, in the early 90s when they were five, six, seven years old. Those are now becoming our Victory Club members uh, here in 2021-22. Um, they've gone on to college, they've graduated, they have jobs, and they are looking to um, continue their love of the sport through watching the team, as well as playing in the adult leagues uh, at night. So it's it's really, it's been amazing to watch uh, it all come full circle and see that plan come to fruition. Yeah, let's talk for a few minutes about the new Hall of Fame, the Stars Hall of Fame. You announced it a few months ago. It'll, it'll start uh, early next season. The Mike Madonna, of course, the first star of many of those those kids that started playing hockey and watching hockey when the Stars came here in 93. Uh, he's going to automatically get in because his number's retired, along with Yuri Lettinen and Sergei Zubov. So those guys are in, right? So walk us through the the uh, the criteria uh, for 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 being considered for the Stars Hall of Fame, and also how will you how will you uh, display the Hall of Fame? Sure. Well, yeah, first off, it, the uh, we're going to have two different categories in the Dallas Stars Hall of Fame. There will be a, a player's category and then a builder's category. Um, for the player's category, um, it's any player who has um, played a minimum of 300 games with the club um, or has, if they haven't reached 300 games, if they've won the Stanley Cup with us or won some major award. Um, so those are the cr criteria for um, the players. And this is 300 games with, in Dallas, not going Just back to Dallas. Minnesota, right? Exactly. Uh, it, if they did go, if they did play with the, the franchise in Minnesota, you know, like Mike Madonna was one of those. <clears throat> right. uh, you know, Darian Hatcher is one of those. You know, there, there are a handful of players that uh, transition down, but the majority of those guys played 300 in Dallas as well. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, a good a really really good list when you look at it in its entirety of, of how many uh, players are there and it should make for some very interesting voting uh during when the selection committee gets together later this month um and then on the builder on the builder side uh, they had to be uh, a member of the organization for a minimum of 10 years or again if they won the stanley cup or some major award while they were here so you know those are the criteria for uh the two and the the inductees that are automatically in um, are uh, any of the players that had their number retired um, with the Dallas Stars. And that is, you know, like you said, uh, uh, Broughton, uh, Mike, or I'm sorry, Neil Broughton, Mike Madano, Gary Lennon, and Sergey Zuboff, they'll automatically be in, as well as our owners. We wanted to make sure that uh, Norman Green, um, Tom Hicks, and Tom Gillardy were all in just automatically. We don't need to go through the voting process for any of those to, to determine their their worth. But I think, you know, Brad Alberts gets a, a ton of credit for really pushing this forward. I mean, he'd heard it from the fans and from our alumni and from other people that, you know, we have some really fantastic players who have who have played for this organization through the years, and and it can be debated yes or no whether or not a jersey retirement maybe makes sense, um, but. There was just a feeling that they needed to be recognized in some way um and and that's where i think this dallas stars hall of fame comes in because 
there are so many great players who have come through here through over the years. I mean, you look about the, you look at the Brendan Morrows and the Marty Turcos and the Darian Hatchers and and uh, the list goes on and on of players who had really major impacts with this organization and really helped put this team on the map. Um, and they have, uh, I think this is one way for them to potentially be recognized at a whole new level uh, within the organization. And where, where will the, will there be plaques or, or busts or what do you have? Yeah, I, think, for I think the long-term plan um, ultimately is we would love to have a, a standalone building at, at some point. Um, now that's not happening this year or next year, um, but that is the long-term plan is that we would really like to be able to create some sort of immersive uh, experience and, and be able to really highlight um, these these honorees in, in a, an appropriate way. But in the short term, uh, down at American Airlines Center, uh, we're in discussions right now with one of our really, really good partners in AT&T. Um, they, they are control the AT&T Rotunda at, AA and, at AAC. And they will, um, we're talking with them right now about developing that Rotunda into uh, the Dallas Stars Hall of Fame area where, um, we haven't really come up with what that ultimately will look like. It, it could be bronze plaques. It could be something like that. But we want it to be in a very public space so that people can get an opportunity to walk through and, and see who these people are and read a little bit about them. If they're new to the game and if they haven't, uh, if they just don't have the same depth of history as, as some of our other fans. And and I think an, an opportunity to put it somewhere right there, right in the main concourse of American Airlines Center, makes a ton of sense for the short term. Notice that you have a very strong selection committee. I love the fact that you've got some uh, communications professionals, Tom Holy and, of course, Rob Shickley, who uh, was an intern of mine at the Mavericks a thousand years ago and did a great job for so many years uh, with the Stars. Of course, Bruce Levine, Razor, both friends of the pod. You, you, you've got some media representation. I thought you really did a, did a nice job putting together the – the, the 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 committee and they'll, they'll have some tough decisions to make and you know the the if you want a Stanley Cup felt to me like a carve out for Brett Hall who I don't who wouldn't have played 300 games maybe with right. uh with the stars but you mentioned a lot of, a lot of the players Marty Turco also a friend of the program so uh, it, it's exciting and I wish you all the best uh putting it together in the builder category so this this mimics the the way the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto is organized, right? So exactly. exactly. Uh, so that was like that too. And you, I'm glad to hear you mentioned the, the owners. I would also, I bet you a dollar, Jim Lights will end up uh, in the builder uh, category at, at some point. And maybe even uh, the aforementioned Jeff Kogan. You've had a lot of great, uh, uh, and sure, for sure, Brad Alberts one day when his, uh, when his time is uh, maybe is, is up. But uh, any, any, what are your thoughts on, on the builder category, the, the, the people that have had the most uh, impact? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think you, you can look at it in, in a couple different ways. You can look at it just through the building of our teams over the years on, if you're looking at it from a strictly hockey perspective, I mean, you've got names like Bob Ganey, Ken Hitchcock. Um, you've got people like Les Jackson, who, who made such a big impact in the drafting over the years, uh, who brought in all these players who ultimately went on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, you can look at it from a, a media perspective. I mean, you, you look at Ralph Strangis and Daryl Ray. I mean, 
Um, they're so important to the history of this franchise. And then on the business side, you look at uh, all the names we just mentioned, Jim Lights, Jeff Kogan, um, really, really important to getting this thing off the ground back in 1993 and turning it into uh, what it is today. Um, you know, this, this team had incredible success right off the bat. And, and I often wonder, you know, what had we not, had we stumbled out of the gates over those first few years? Um, and had we not become as, as dominant as we were in the, the mid to late nineties, um, where are we today? You know, and, and I think those guys from a business perspective deserve a ton of credit. Well, Dan, thank you for uh, joining us today on the mic drop. I think we could uh, easily talk to you for another 30 minutes uh, just to talk about stars. And uh, make no mistake, if uh, w when you're ready to, to do another uh, Winter Classic, just let me know. Uh, I still have people talking about it from uh, uh, 2020. So, uh, but thank you for joining well, thank us you, today. Mark. I'll tell you, you were talking about this. People, are they sure if this is really a hockey town or not? Yep. I'll tell you what, looking at that, 86,000 people in the Cotton Bowl yeah. back on January 1st, 2020. Thanks in, in a large part to you and your team and making it happen. Um, that told me right there that this is a hockey town. That was really impressive. And uh, there were a lot of doubters, but I think we, yeah. we, uh, we did a heck of a job in answering them. That was, that was pretty special and no doubt uh, Dallas is uh, uh, real, definitely a hockey town. So uh but uh, we'll definitely have you back on the mic drop, but thank you for joining us today. Thank you, everybody. Take care. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. And now, what a treat it is to have our friend Amanda Larder join us here on the Mic Drop. She's part of the Mic Drop family as Chief Operating Officer of Tony Fay PR. This is a person who is nationally regarded for her expertise in organizing, operating, delivering exceptional experiences at really, really uh, large-scale events, uh, including many with Monica in the Dallas Sports Commission. She's led volunteer coordination for two Super Bowls. Uh, community outreach was her thing for the 2014 NCAA Men's Final Four. Uh, she's worked the U.S. Open Tennis in New York, the CFP National. She's kind of runs, let's face it, she sort of runs the CFP National Championship game uh, and really is just, just a real pro at these massive events. Previously worked at the United Way of Metropolitan Dallas, where all she did there was the 90th anniversary uh, concert at AT&T Stadium that was headlined by Blake Shelton and Usher, uh, 25th anniversary of the Cowboys Super Bowl 2017. And this weekend, she is leading the charge for Troy Aikman's Highway to Henrietta, a uh, massive fundraiser starring Blake Shelton for Troy's hometown in Henrietta. So Amanda, welcome to the mic drop. It's great to have you on. Hey, Monica. Hey, Soli, that you are too kind, you know, sitting with the two of you. I just, I can't even listen to myself. It's so wonderful to be with you both after all these episodes behind the scenes. That's right. Well, it's great to have you on. So, you know, what are the keys? You're going to put on a massive event. What are the keys to making sure it's great? 
Well, you know, you could look at it as two parts. First and most importantly, great leadership. You know, having someone who has a true vision, who points north, you know, as you're planning, because as you both know well, you can get pulled into so many different directions when you start digging into goals and objectives with different team members and different external parties. But, you know, pre-event, finding the right voice, using the right platforms to message, to share, to get the word out to the right people. It's not a good event if your constituents, if your fans, if your guests don't know about it, don't know how to get there. And then I always just say, when it comes to execution, it's details. It is in the details. So whether that's, you know, making sure that you've got detailed team members focusing on execution and timeline, or just advanced site for all of these different efforts to get everybody on the same page to do a good job, you've got to make sure you got the details down. Now, do you apply this to your personal life too, whether it's a birthday party for one of your daughters or a, you know, 4th of July barbecue? Give, give our listeners some tips for how they can make sure that their, their household, their family events uh, run just as well as the college football playoff national championship. Don't we all wish that we practiced what we preached all the time? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but my husband is in a, a similar but very different career path, and he's very project management, detail-oriented as well. So between the two of us, our kids kind of just grew up knowing what checklists were, but it is fun to be able to apply some of the same things. You know, I one of our first uh, weekends away, I made an itinerary, you know, for our trip and emailed it over. And I think he knew what he was getting into way back then. So um, yes, I think is the answer. I wish that I did that more. Um, you know, we're so, so scheduled and regiment with the work that we do. I do try to loosen up a little bit. Two and four-year-olds force you to. So, um, you know, I think that answers. What about you? What about you, Sully? Do you apply the same details in the personal life? You know, when I try to, to message my wife, Joe, if I try to pivot to another topic, I get I get the penalty flag thrown every time. So when I'm doing media coaching, I tell men in particular, uh, don't try this at home because yeah. you know, my wife smoked it out a long time ago. So I would say I would say not so much for for me. Loosen it uh, so up. That's awesome. That, that's right. So uh, Monica mentioned the June 16th watch party for the big announcement. We hope fingers crossed. And that that Dallas will be getting uh, an event or two in the uh, in the 2026 World Cup. So how is that? You're the party planner for that too. So how is that planning going? What are your goals and aspirations? How's that going for for the for the big announcement from FIFA on June 16th? I mean, can we just step back for a second and say, "Go, Monica." This is a long time coming. I was thinking through everything we've been through together leading up to this back to, you know, two and a half years ago, I was in the hospital bed finishing touches with the World Cup video for Monica before, you know, we went in and Annabelle Ray came to be. So we've been working on this a long time. And it is so fun to be a part of a team between the dynamic group at the Dallas Cowboys to the incredible team at FC Dallas under Monica's leadership. It's going to be incredible. Dallas does everything bigger. And I know we're watching some incredible cities across the nation, across the world prepare for this announcement, but we're feeling really good in Dallas. Everything from fanfare and excitement to early morning media shots. We've got it all put together and we're ready to rock and roll. All right. True or false, Amanda? Monica? And the Dallas Sports Commission is your favorite client. <laughs> is that even a question? True, of course. <laughs> What's he trying to do to me, Monica? <laughs> I know. I think he's really setting you up here, uh, Amanda. But, you know, I'm going to tell Sully that one of the things that he did not mention in uh, the opening when he was introducing you 
I mean, a lot of accolades, a lot of events, but he forgot to mention that you also run Tony Fay. I'm not saying Tony Fay PR. I'm saying right. you run the man, Tony Fay, right, Amanda? I mean, how he hard is, is it to, to keep up with? <laughs> yeah, how hard is it to keep Tony Fay on track? Oh, we all love Tony Fay. He is one of a kind creative and has a mind like no other. Uh, you've seen it. All both of you happen real time. You cannot make it up. You can't design it. it <laughs> he is one of a kind, but you're right. It's tough to keep up with him sometimes. So, um, but we do, we keep up with him. <laughs> Uh, well, we're, we're very thankful for that, for sure, from a sports commission standpoint. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to get into Troy Aikman's Highway to Henrietta Music Festival this weekend. I think some of our Tony Fay PR team is there or heading there, or once we get off of this podcast, we'll be there. So how did that uh, event come about, and what's it all about? Give us uh, our listeners an overview. Well, it all comes back to Dallas because several of us at Tony Bay PR had the opportunity to work on the Super Bowl host committee, of which Troy Aikman was the vice chairman. And during that period of time, we had a great uh, rapport with him, just built a wonderful relationship. This is well over a decade ago now. And between then and now, I've had the opportunity to work with him on so many incredible projects in Dallas, primarily, of course. And he's so committed to his philanthropic dealings. He came to visit Tony just about a year ago and said, um, I want to do something for my hometown. I've done so much in Dallas. You've done a lot of that with me. I've done so much at UCLA. You know, I really want to do some kind of a music festival, something that brings a shot of adrenaline, really gets the community proud. So Tony, Troy, and I sat down one day and Troy said, I want to plan a music festival. And I was like, what's your vision? <laughs> so, you know, they, it all was birthed of having a high school reunion and they all would get together in Dallas. And he realized it was getting harder and harder for his classmates to make it down. And it, it was over at Troy's Arlington, matter of fact. So he said, let's do something. It took a text message to Blake Shelton and lots of phone a friend to our friends over at C3 Presents. And we've, between then and now, produced what I'm expecting to be a one-of-a-kind, you know, record-breaking music festival. It is so rare that a festival like this is also built on the foundation of nonprofit work. So all of the funds raised will go back to educational and athletic initiatives in the Oklahoma area, specifically in the Henrietta School District. So, Amanda, how many people are we, are we talking about here? And is this going to be an annual uh, event that uh, Troy's planning or... Uh, what does the future look like? You know, if you ask him, you know, depending on what, what day we're at, he might change his perspective, but that's the goal that this is the first of, of what we hope will be many. We're expecting well over 10,000 people oh. to descend on Henrietta, Oklahoma this weekend. And the town is a population of about 1300. So between the mayor and the staffs there, they've helped us prepare for what will be something that they have never seen before. I, I myself am looking forward to it. I've just set foot on Oklahoma State grounds today. I've, I've got the attire ready to rock and roll. We're going to get out there and, and get going. Watch out, Henrietta. Amanda's coming for you. I know how she gets when she's in a bit mode. You you don't know what to, to what you're in for yet. Yeah, walkie-talkie ready, Monica. Yeah. They've got it ready for you. I know. I, <laughs> well, it sounds like all of Henrietta is going to be at, at this festival, and, and really kudos to uh, uh, Troy for, for doing that. We talk about on the on the mic drop all the time about the philanthropic uh, mm -hmm. uh, ways of all of our professional athletes who have made Dallas home, and definitely Troy is at, at the top of that list. Um, you know, United Way campaign a few years ago when Troy was chairman raised a record $61 million. Uh, now, you know, this event. So, Amanda, you know, 
the events that we plan in terms of World Cup and even college football playoff and those things, those are huge events. But also, I mean, we're looking at the experience for the fan, the experience for the athletes and coaches and that sort of thing. But uh, how are the these types of events, this festival, the, the fact that you're, you know, raising also raising money for a good cause? Uh, what what are the differences in trying to plan for an event like that? Really tremendous leadership and really incredible partners. You know, I have to give a shout out to Dallas. We are home to so many global corporations that have the power to do such good. And many of them are involved from AT&T and this festival particularly to, you know, who of course we are global home to that have participated in all of these different events. And so many of the incredible executives that have been on mic drop that have talked about their not only business dealings, but their interest in philanthropically engaging in their community. That's such a key part of this, but engaging the fans. And I think having a true mission is so important and really something I learned from you, Monica, very early on. You know, we've worked together on so many sporting events. You are always so focused on the legacy and whether it's a bid for the women's final four, or we're proposing a bid for the men's final four or working to prepare to host the world cup you have always focused on the community impact involving the right city county state leadership in those decisions and how that community impact will be handled to ensure that the community will receive and be excited about it that is so vital because then you have the right people on board from the beginning who will help advance the ball to success then of course there's the fun parts right all the recipe pieces to pageantry. So anytime I'm involved, I'm asking about a drum line. I'm asking about entertainment. I'm trying to figure out if you've got a budget for fireworks or confetti, which you know is true. So those, those elements, of course, make it fun. But I think the core work is getting the right people involved from the beginning. Well, Amanda, all the best. We talk about mic drop moments here. This is going to be a massive mic drop moment. I know it's going to be a big success. Before we let you go, though, I've got to ask you for, you know, you have dealt through the college football playoff and, and, and some other events you've worked on. You've had dealings with the Secret Service and, and multiple presidents of the United States. You got a favorite Secret Service or presidential story you can leave us with? Well, there's one that be has become a little bit of an urban legend. So uh, when we were in Atlanta hosting the college football playoff, I was quite literally about eight months pregnant on, you know, on the ground with my walkie talkies, but assigned to support the secret service in the president's visit. And uh, Tony uh, tells this story so much better than I, but moments before we go on stage for the national anthem, I realized that the president is chewing gum. And under my watch, I just couldn't let that happen. So I walk up very, very, you know, not too close. Of course, this is the secret service. I lean in and I'm like, Mr. President, can you please spit out your gum? And so the Secret Service, this is where the urban legend comes in. I did not catch that gum. The Secret Service put out his hand, got the gum, and we got it out of his mouth before we took the field. So that was a one-of-a-kind story that <laughs> I know people have laughed about far and wide. You, whatever it takes, you know, you've got to, you've got to do it. And 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 you, uh, that was President Trump we're talking about, it I believe, was, right? Yes. When he so surprised you, you, us all um, for a presidential visit, which of which we have been through two at the college football playoff. And I just have to give a big shout out to the main man, Bill Hancock, of course, who truly leads the charge over there with the CFP and the CFP Foundation. Well, that, that's uh, that's tremendous. And, and whatever, whatever it takes, I know, is is uh, is your motto. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Uh, everybody go to highwaytohenrietta.com for more information. You can still get tickets. 
it's just a three-hour ride, right, Amanda, from, from Dallas? Yes, we have so many people coming up from Dallas, from Mi Casina to just several partners. I've already mentioned AT&T. There are armies of people joining us from the beautiful city of Dallas. So come be a part of the fun. Tickets are still for sale, highwaytohenrietta.com. And, and we should we should also point out, we mentioned Blake Shelton, you know, Pat Green are the headliners, but, you know, George Dunham uh, and the Bird Dogs are going to, of Ticket Lore and also friend of the podcast, are also on the bill. So so uh, all those uh, ticket listeners and fans of Giorgio, uh, the Bird Dogs will be will be playing as well. So it's going to be uh, great fun and, and all for a good cause as Troy gives back uh, to the hometown that he says made him. Uh, even though we didn't get there until he was 12 years old, he says that Henrietta is what made him the person he is today. So thanks for joining us, Amanda Larder with Tony Fay PR, and good luck this weekend with the Highway to Henrietta. Thank uh, you all I'm- so much for having me. You got it. Uh, Back with John Little from KRLD. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to welcome to the mic drop the award-winning KRLD news anchor, John Little. Now, we know news is his day job, but but you can put John in the category of, you know, one of the more interesting people in town because he's also done some sports play-by-play for SMU, Tarleton State, UNT, South, in the Southland Conference. Uh, he went to school at UNT, got a broadcast journalism degree there where he learned under the legendary uh, Bill Mercer, who has had such an influence on so many uh, Dallas uh, sportscasters through the years. Uh, but he also, John also sings the national anthem at Rangers, Mavericks, and Stars games. John, as part of my exhaustive research uh, for this interview, I did a YouTube deep dive on you. Oh, no. Yes. And, and I came across the uh, Game 5 of the Utah series at, the, at American Airlines Center. Uh, where you sang before game five. I don't know if that was the most recent time you sung at a Mavericks game, uh, but that was a 102-77 beatdown uh, where the Mavericks t- took the Jazz out. So as far as I'm concerned, you ought to sing every night at the American Airlines Center. I appreciate that. I don't think my record was quite as good for the Stars this year, just you know, to be perfectly honest about everything. But yes, I felt very good about it about that night and that was the most recent time and my gosh what an honor it was it was it it was an amazing amazing night well how do you tell us about your singing background we know you as a journalist and a and a a broadcaster uh how have you tell us about your singing background and how you sort of weaved these multiple careers together oh man uh you know i just it, it makes me glow because i just i love singing so much and i don't know how good I am at it. I can sing the national anthem pretty well, but I, you know, musical theater is my background. I went to Marcus, shout out Marauders over in uh, Flower Mound, had a great time there, had some very caring instructors in choir and drama that, I don't know, when I was just kind of waffling around looking for my place in life, um, you know, they were so accepting of me and I found out I had a little bit of talent there. And so musical theater was kind of my first love on that side of things and found my voice and I went to UNT actually originally for musical theater and did that for 
the first year. And, um, it, you know, not that I fell out of love with it. I still, I still absolutely love it. It, it uh, makes me so joyful. But um, I did find out how incredibly difficult that path is to try to think about, all right, if I want to be on Broadway someday, that's going to be so hard. So I chose a much easier path, media. Yeah, we know how easy media is. So that's what I decided to do. No, I decided to get into radio, television, film, which was always uh, kind of a 1A, 1B love for me. But anytime that somebody hands me a microphone and tells me to sing the national anthem, I'm happy to do it. Well, you, are, you do a fantastic job. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed watching. I saw, watched one of your Rangers ones as well on YouTube. So, so way to go. I look forward to uh, hearing you in person uh, one of these days. Maybe I haven't. I just don't remember. But, <laughs> but you, really, you really have a distinctive style, a great voice, and you do, do a great job with it. Now, in your day job at KRLD News, I know, you know you've covered a lot of the events that the Dallas mm-hmm. Sports Commission puts on, including things like the Spelling Bee. Which is which is a, a you know a little bit of a hybrid kind of kind of event a competition but not necessarily sports but along that path you've interviewed Monica a number of times around bringing these events to Dallas so so John what is it about Monica that makes her such a compelling and and and, and fascinating insightful interview? Well, I, I tell you this first of all she's in charge. Anytime you're talking about somebody that's with somebody that's in charge, I mean you've got to book that interview. You got to do it now. You know, you, it's tough to get on Monica's schedule, first of all. So that's an honor. So for me, that's the biggest thing is just to get a chance to, to talk with her. But there, in all seriousness, there is that passion for, you know, sports in our area and what it brings to our community. For me, that's a huge passion, honestly. You know, we've got some freedom here at KRLD to kind of uh, pick and choose, so to speak some of the areas that we, you know, do some of those public service type interviews. For me, I love sports. I love how it impacts the community. I love the arts, like we've mentioned as well. And so uh, for me, you know, you'll find when you listen to KRLD that I tend toward those areas. So um, yeah, absolutely. Whenever I get a chance to interview Monica, I'm going to jump at it. Well, John, I think S- Sully has been like uh, jabbing me this 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 episode here. I feel like uh, a lot of Monica talk uh, this episode, so I'm like, oh my gosh, she's uh, how embarrassing. But that's okay, uh, John. I-, I love your in- interviews, and I actually hope that we're going to be talking next week uh, at some point uh, once we get through this World Cup um, announcement. So, uh, so thank you for always, for what you do uh, for us at the Sports Commission and and just in general. Um, so I, I want to ask a little bit, uh, in terms of the importance of, you know, local radio, obviously we know our, our media landscape is, is changed. People consume differently now. Uh, how, how important is it from a local radio standpoint, uh, with this, this changing media landscape? Hmm. What a great question. And I do believe in, you know, radio being important still, uh, you know, there is no doubt there is a change in how people consume, but at the same time, we're still looked at at KRLD as an authority when it comes to what's going on in the news in our area. And we've, uh, you know, kind of added to what we do over the years, right? It's not just what you hear on terrestrial radio when you tune in to the uh, AM dial. It's what we do on the, um, uh, on the website as well. 
making sure that we've got all these interviews that we do, whether it be with Monica or the, um, you know, those spelling bee contestants out of Dallas or whoever the case may be, and making sure you get those online as well so they can be consumed on demand too. Um, you know, and so, you know, maybe it's consumed a little bit differently, but there's no doubt that the locality of what we do is still so valuable. People want to listen to somebody that lives in their area, somebody that knows what's going on, somebody that cares, somebody that, hey, I, you know, not to tout myself, but I grew up here. I was born here. I, I remember when, you know, Dallas, uh, when, when 75 Central wasn't 75. I'm looking at it right now. It's all sunken down. I remember when it wasn't, but it was, you know, just two lanes both ways. You know, somebody that really understands the history of Dallas in a lot of different uh, ways. You know, I, just, I was born here, probably 2 million people in the area, maybe. Now we're up over seven, almost eight. Um, I, I think there's value in that, that, you know, you've got somebody in your area that understands um, what it's like and, you know, maybe is a fan of your teams as well and um, just uh, loves the area as much as you do. So uh, for me, that's the biggest part of local radio is the fact that I am local, that we are local, that we've got this great team of reporters that is actually on the scene covering these events. And that's just something that, you know, at national news, it's got its place, but we can cover a big event in, in such a different way, just because we are from here and um, we know the intricacies behind being a DFW resident. It's a good point, John. People don't think of radio being available on demand, but it is. KRLD mm -hmm. uh, right. on the website. So, all right. So this is the portion of the mic drop where we ask our media guests to recommend a streamer or download something, podcast, movie, book, TV, music, you name it. So do you have a, what recommendation do you have for us uh, today, oh. John? Oh, absolutely. I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I love listening to podcasts. And, it, you know, I, I think that, um, it, you know, for me, it, it's kind of funny being in radio, how podcasts have, it, it used to be like uh, this, this thing we were against, right? We're fighting against it. But now we're, um, you know, really, uh, it, like I was just saying, trying to put everything on demand, I, I think that's big. So yeah, I, I will say KRLD In-Depth, that's a great podcast that you need to get in on. i tell you what I love. I love the Ed Milet podcast, M-Y-L-E-T-T. -T. Now he's a national guy, um, but I, I tell you, there is so much wisdom in that guy and he cares so much. Uh, the Ed Milet podcast is the, one of the first downloads every day that I listen to. Um, some of the other ones I love are the Entree Leadership Podcast. That's through the Ramsey Network as well. I'm just big into like, you know, self-improvement and things like that. Um, and uh, one of the other ones that I always uh, am listening in on is, uh, I'm going to be kind of uh, selfish here, is uh, a sports broadcaster podcast called Say the, Say the Damn Score. And excuse me uh, for, uh, for cursing on the air like that. Um, but uh, my friend Logan Anderson runs that. And if you have any interest in sports broadcasting, what it takes to be a sports broadcaster, the intricacies of it, he's talked to some great names over the years. I'm talking about the biggest names in the industry. And then just uh, some people that uh, are kind of, um, you know, 
middle of the road like me. And I think, you know, for anybody that loves sports, they'd get a lot out of that. So those are my top three. We will definitely uh, check those out. You know, you make an interesting point about radio and podcast, obviously audio mediums. It's hard to imagine this today, but, and you know, once upon a time, NPR refused to turn their radio shows into podcasts because they looked at it as competition. Uh, and they resisted for quite some time. And then, of course, the podcast became uh, a phenomenal uh you know, source of, of new listeners and they got a ton of downloads and probably some, some revenue streams uh, too with their, with their models. So, so yeah, podcasts, uh, I'm a big podcast consumer too. You sound like you've been in our meetings, uh, you know, here at KRLD. That's just it, but that's just how it is these days. So you're absolutely right. And um, you know, it's, it's something we've got to, we've got to change with the times not necessarily change. We're not changing that much about how we do things, but we are just making it consumable in different ways. And, and it helps all the way around. Hey, people, you got to give it to the people uh, how, where, and when they want it, and what mm-hmm. device they want and all those things. So, uh, so Monica, what do you have for us this week? Well, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, Sully, I've been watching a lot of uh, NCAA college uh, world series uh, softball. So, uh, that's taken up a lot of my time, but uh, as I was sitting at home last night trying to get caught up on things that I'm way behind on, um, just because we've been focusing a lot on World Cup, I I took uh, Marcus's suggestion from a few weeks ago and uh, started the Lincoln Lawyer series on Netflix. So I've I'd watched the movie, I've, I've read the books, uh, a big Michael Conley fan, so... Uh, I started that Lincoln Lawyer series, and I I would have to agree with Marcus. It's it's a pretty good one. It's a keeper. Yeah, I listened on Marcus's recommendation. Uh, Joe and I listened to the first, watched the first one. It was pretty good. So we may we may go back to it. Uh, for me this week, we're gonna stick with the Highway to Henrietta theme. Uh, I would encourage people to to uh, go to bushcenter.org and watch the video of the Troy Aikman, Joe Trahan event at the Bush Center on Monday night of this week, June 6th. I heard about that. Oh. Yeah, you see, good? you see a side of Troy Aikman that you have maybe never seen before. He's mm-hmm. very funny. He has great comedic timing. He's a great storyteller. He also is very touching. The themes were fatherhood and community with a little football thrown in at the very end. He talks about being a girl dad. He gets emotional at one point. Uh, Joe Trahan, our friend from Channel 8, did a phenomenal job leading the conversation. And it's really, it's funny and it's touching. It's sweet, heartfelt. I mean, it is really great. And it gives you all the backstory about why Troy wanted to, why it was so important to him to give back to Henrietta, but he does it in a way that's very entertaining. So go to bushcenter.org and check out the Engage at the Bush Center uh, presented by Next Point event you can find it under the engage under the events tab it should be on the front page still but but go to bushcenter.org and check out joe trahan and troy aikman talking about fatherhood community and football uh so so brad do you get you get more nervous before a a play-by-play assignment i mean john you get more nervous before a play-by-play assignment uh a big you know news event happens or singing the anthem. How do you, you know, how, what's your heart rate like in each of those uh, scenarios? I'm trying to remember the last time I got like really nervous about something and um, I, I get excited. Yeah. yeah. At breaking news events, that's definitely, um, 
that's more of a concentrated focus. Like you want to get it right. You don't want that. To me, the more under control I can be better because that's the biggest thing. You want to get it right. You don't want to start, you know, I mean, best example is Uvalde shooting from a few weeks ago. I'm on the air as that starts to trickle out and you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You've got to really, really, really um, watch your steps, you know, and, um, and so for me, being calm, talking about what you do know, rather than what you don't know is huge. Um, So I don't get nervous there. Um, Play by play stuff. You know, maybe if I'm doing something I haven't done before, like I was on CBS Sports Network back in March and that was kind of a new platform for me so maybe there's a little bit more of a nerve there I tell you when I sing the national anthem I don't get nervous I get really excited you were talking about Troy Aikman before the game against the Jazz Uh, it was just so fun to walk out there on the floor you sense how excited everybody is to be there it's a late start and so everybody's in their seat it's not half full like you might have on a weekday night uh, you know, everybody's about two beers in. They can't wait to watch Luca, and you're the only thing standing between them and Luca. And you stand out there on the floor and looking straight in front of me on the baseline, there's Trey Aikman. And I look over here, I got Kyler Murray off to my right. <laughs> and later on, I, I learned there's here's Nastia Lucan over here and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, it's just, it's so fun. Um, but it, it excites me more than anything. It's not like, oh, gosh, don't mess this up. It's like, all right, it's time to meet this moment. And um, and that's what makes it so fun and exhilarating for me. Um, so I don't want to say I never get nervous uh, over anything, but I, I'm blessed to be in spots where I can use some of these talents and, you know, get excited about using them. And I think when I come across as enthusiastic, uh, it helps things come across as well as they possibly can. Well, John, on behalf of Monica, thank you for, for joining us uh, here on the Mic Drop this week. This was really fun. Thanks also to Dan Stokel and Amanda Larder. Of course, our Mic Drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw-Piscura, Marcus Carr and Reeves Eddins, all of Tony Fay PR. Thanks to Rennet Vocal Media. And of course, our showrunner, visionary, and fearless leader, Tony Fay. Until next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.